I'm Emily Kyle and this is Local. This is a conversation with Queenstown Local. Deborah Jago. Deb and I recorded together a number of times. This is just one of our discussions. So I was thinking before we get started talking the way that we normally would. Yeah. For someone who doesn't know you, how would you sum yourself up? Uh, loud, rude, obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're Queenstown local, maybe 30, 30 something years, almost uh, 40 years. 37 years I've been here, around about. Yeah. Some will call me a local, some won't. My mother and father are down in the cemetery, my son-in-law's down in the cemetery, so I think I'm local enough, local enough that most people know me and if they, some don't want to know me. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, like we always do, we can start from the beginning mm-hmm. of you. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in the Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney. But more or less grew up in Evans Head, up in New, up top end of New South Wales. And my adolescent, no, early adolescence was Sydney to Wollongong. Yeah, sort of went bad in Wollongong, I think. But yeah. So you were moving around a lot. Oh yeah, well, mum and dad did. You know, they had to go for work and things like that. You know, mum worked all her life. Dad worked all his all the time, you know, so uh, as a kid you got yourself up to school and put yourself on the bus and came home and got tea ready and did it all over again the next day. (laughs) And that was your responsibility to get dinner ready? Yeah, well, Mum would finish work at 4 o'clock or something and they'd go to the pub and they'd come home about 5 o'clock and I'd just have the potatoes peeled or... Something like that, just to help out, mm. you know. On Saturdays it was um, you go shopping, grocery shopping. Dad would take your David to the butcher and then get the meat. Then they'd go to the green grocer and that's where you lived. You didn't do supermarkets as such, you know. David would mow the lawns and I'd make the beds and do the washing up. Fucking shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And David's your brother. Yeah. Do you have any other siblings? No. Oh, no. No. Nobody else could put up with me. <laughs> and Dad reckons is... he only tried it twice and didn't like it. Well, I tried it. I tried it once and I'm I'm finished. Yeah. No more. Yeah. I've tried it. Um, I tried it lots of times. Yeah. <laughs> Too many bloody times. So you you and David were really sort of growing up in the 60s in New South Wales? Yeah, yeah, in the 60s, 70s, 60s and 70s. What was it like there at that time? Rough? I imagine it was pretty rough. No, it was, it was all innocent, you know. You could just go off, you'd run around the street with no shoes on and, you know, your mother would say, come home when the street lights come on. So you just go home when the streetlights came on because mm. it was just starting to get to dusk, so you just go home, you know. It was, all, it was a good life back then. You know, you'd go out to the beach and swimming, you'd ride your push bike, you know, those three-wheeler ones that got no brakes and you come off them and they'd hit the hill. And <laughs> <laughs> I was dinking this poor girl going down this hill on this three-wheeler and you can't stop them. They've got no brakes and then the pedals just keep going round and round and round and round and round. We'll hit the gravel. We come and guts outside the service station. Good almighty, that was a long time oh, ago. No. <laughs> it 
was a very long time ago. You survived. I survived, yeah. Made of steel, not like the kids of today, stuck in front of a computer all the time. Yes, that's my that's my one. So <laughs> we're gonna get him to basketball. <laughs> so, how did you get from Sydney to Queensdale? Well, I went from Sydney to Wollongong mm-hmm. and met a Tasmanian, got married, and came over here. Spent a week at his at the mother-in-law's house in Railton. The old man, the husband, um, travelled from. Railton to Tulla, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, started work on the Monday and then hired it. We um, got a caravan because it was uh, the two of us and the eldest daughter and uh, we lived in the caravan. So we were all sort of close by, you know. Mm. Yeah, some stories you could tell at the pubs, man are men. But... um. Yeah, because back in those days you go to the pubs in, in Tassie and the women didn't go into the bar. That was forbidden. It was a public bar. It was for, it was forbidden. And I'm thinking the first time we went into Devonport and we called into the Formby Hotel and there was a tab next door, the TAB, and I'd said, Alan, I'll just go in and check these tickets. You go and get us a beer. So we went into the bar. I went and checked the tickets, walked into the bar. The husband's sitting at the bar. We sat there and drank our pots and we ordered another drink and the barman says, I'm sorry, madam, I can't serve you. And I said, I just sat here and had a drink. And he said, yeah, but when the gentleman came in, I didn't realise that he was buying the other one for you. Well, then I got a bit riled up then and I talked to him and I said, where's the manager? He said, oh, he's unavailable at the moment. And I said, well, isn't that just typical? Mm. And I turned around and I said, what does it say on that door over there? He said, public bar. And I said, right. And I said, no, I'm part of the public. I'll have a beer, please. (laughs) And he said, I'm sorry, madam, I can't serve you. Well, all in this time there's a chap sitting right up at the end of the bar all by himself. And then the barman says, "Um, if you want a beer, you have to come out into the ladies' lounge and get a beer. I said, all right, then. So I walked out the bar door, down the street, up Formby Road, into the foyer, into the ladies' lounge, and he just had to walk through a doorway. And I said, um, oh, I'm so sorry about that, he said. I said, no, oh, that's all right, just have a 10-ounce beer, thanks. So he gave me my 10-ounce beer and I grabbed hold of it and I walked out through the foyer, up Formby Road, up the main street and back into the bar with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and about 25 years later, this bloke says to me, are you Alan Jago's wife? And I'm thinking, mm, yeah. Who are you? And he said, can you remember sitting in the Formby Hotel all those years ago and they wouldn't serve you? And I said, I do. And were you the fellow that was sitting right at the end of the bar? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, there you go. He said, you know, he said a week later they changed the rules. Mm. I said, go, boy, yeah, go me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you started a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> and then the same thing happened at the Tuller Hotel, something similar. I waited for the old man to come home from work. You know, I got tea cooked. Where is he? Where is he? Ah, he's at the pub. It's a ride. So I go in there and there's, and it's still t- the same today. You've got this big concertina door that divides what used to be the dining room, the ladies' lounge. And the main bar where all the men working, because so, they had the hydro working there then. Well, I've walked in the ladies' lounge, <laughs> slid open the concertina door just a little bit and walked in. There was like 3,000 men in there. It wasn't 3,000, but it was just full of all of these men. And it was as if there was a magnet had walked into the room because like, all their eyes just went whoosh straight around like, oh, monster in the building. <laughs> it's a foreign object. It's what it is. So then next thing you know, the old man comes up to me and he says, you can't be in here. I said, why not? Yeah, it's a public bar. Mm. And he said, yeah, but they're going to think that you're a slut or something like that. I said, oh I don't give God. a fuck what they think I am. Get home for your tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think they changed that not long after that too. So Just going around Mm-mm. being a feminist in bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I can't even. 
The idea of that is so foreign to me. Yeah, because that's what it was like back in the day. Was it like that in? Was it like that on the mainland? Or yeah, no, yeah, to a degree it was. Yeah, I remember when I was living in Mullum with Matt and Henry would have been about two, and Matt used to go to the bar, one of the pubs, all the time, and. I started to get a little bit sick of it. I was feeling really left out and I had Henry, you know, he he was still young and everything was pretty relaxed there. But if I, one day I I got really upset about it and I went to find him. I took Henry with me and I thought, oh, well, if he can go and have a beer at the pub, I can go and have a beer at the pub. Yeah. I should be allowed to do that. So I went in and immediately the atmosphere changed. (laughs) You know, he, he was very nice and he sort of came over, hey, how you doing? What are you doing here? Mm. I just, I can't imagine that that level of segregation, but I, I do still feel sometimes walking into a pub, mm. like this is not for you, yeah. woman. This yeah. is not where you belong. Yeah, but uh, sort of back in the day, like at the Unanera Hotel way back when, it had the public bar. And that was just for men. That was just men only in there. Or you had, there was like a little sports bar sort of thing in the middle, like a, just a real tiny little place that you could go there. And yet, but you, a woman could go there, but she had to be accompanied by a man. Mm. Or you had the late, like the lounge bar where you had in the restaurant sort of thing, where a woman can just go and sit there by herself. You know, she could go and have a beer by herself. She didn't have to be accompanied by a man because mm. men are so helpful and all, mm. you know. <laughs> right, yeah. But that's just evolution. That That is women were supposed to be at home barefoot pregnant in the kitchen, you know, not out drinking, mm. you know, but that's, that's what happens now. It's just people changing, you know, burning the bras, I suppose, <laughs> had a little bit to do with that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, equal rights for everybody, mm. you know, but um, equal rights for equal pay and all. Women aren't strong enough. They can't compete with a man, you know, in strength-wise, never will. We're built to have babies, not build cars, you know, so mm. that sort of thing. So what was it like? First coming to Queenstown, you were you were in Tuller for a little while. Yeah, I was in only for twelve months. I reckon I had my second daughter. She was a fortnight old, and we moved to Burnie. What was it like in in Tuller, though? I mean, it, it, my, it's basically a blip on the map. There's nothing there. It was a lot bigger then than what it is now, because you had what they used to call Old Tuller, and the Tuller bit like. Old Tuller and the village. <clears throat> what you know as Tuller now, that was all hydro. That was Hydroelectric Commission built all that. There was a big supermarket there, school, stadium, post office. Yeah, it was houses everywhere. Yeah, and then you went to Old Tuller. To describe it now, there's sort of that area... That, that stopover area where it's got the post office slash yeah. food spot and... At the cafe. The cafe. And um, and then it looks to be, you know, three houses and then you're out of Tuller. It's, yeah. It's over. Mm. No, it was all a lot bigger. you got the streets and then down there. There was this primary school there, a big primary, like, you know, a nice-sized primary school. See, the Hydro brought all of those in there for their workers and they had to have the kids and stuff, so they built the supermarket. They built all that complex there, I'm I'm led to believe, yeah, so. With the cafe in it now? The cafe's there, I don't remember. Um, I suppose it's always been there. Yeah, I think the cafe might have... Yeah, the cafe might have already been there, have always been there. Because it was such a strange, the first time I saw it, you know, this big sort of large parking lot with a whole bunch of empty buildings and then mm. a cafe in the corner. It's yeah. Well, so that where that cafe is, that big tall build, that big long building at the front. Yeah. That used to be the supermarket, like Farmers, I think it was Farmers Supermarket. 
and then on the other side, because it's like a horseshoe shape, isn't it? Yeah. On the other side, you had the stadium where you had basketball and yeah. all that in there. Yeah. Indoor cricket they might have had, but I'm not sure. Then you had the public toilets and then there's, um, there was the post office and all that in along those little shops there, you know, public phone box. Mm. Was it particularly different, Tala or Tasmania in general, from the mainland? For me it was. Yeah. I was like, holy shit balls, where's my husband brought me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come from the city, you know, to Tala, and I thought, hmm, no retail therapy here. Mm. You know. <laughs> yes, no shopping. No shopping. But, yeah, so then we went to Burnie after that and Alan was working, got transferred to Queenstown on the hydro. So you come down here. What was that like, him working for Hydro? Well, for a little while there he was like, it was like a FIFO, you know. But yeah. um, he would come home Wednesday nights, go back to work Thursday morning and then come home Friday night and usually go out the bush Saturday and Sunday to get wood to keep us warm. Mm. And then... Um, go back to work Monday morning and that was when he was working in Tulla. Then he moved to Queenstown. Well, it became a lot more difficult, you know, because the road to get from Queenstown to Tulla, you had to go via Renaissanceville and Rosebury up over Mount Black and go that way. Mm. Well, then when the hydro put the Anthony Road through, it only takes you 45 minutes to go from Queenstown to Tulla, you know. I'm sure people do it a lot faster, but I don't. Um, How long does it take the other way around through Rosebury? Well, it takes you about 45 minutes to go from Queens. About only about 15 minutes longer, I mm. guess. But um, to get to Burnie, if I left Queenstown back in the day, it had to go out towards Zion and go through Renison Bell. There was a pub at Renison Bell then. Uh, Rosebury to Tulla and then go out through, get to the finger post at Waratah, we used to call it the finger post, then go down Hillier Gorge, go out through Henrietta and Yola and you'd come out nearly, come out at the, gosh, what's the name of that river, near Somerset almost, you know, mm. and then go through to Burnie and it seemed to take hours mm. to get home because you got the Ridgely Highway wasn't there then. So now you can do Burnie to Queenstown in two hours. Some do it a lot quicker, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time anyway. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it just made it, it was quicker. You know, it's quicker now than what it used to be. Mm. You know? Do you think it felt even more isolating then than now? Uh, well, I don't, well, as time goes past, as time goes by, you sort of get used to where you're living and you don't feel quite so isolated, you know. You, I mean, you've got supermarket, you've got everything here that you need pretty much. Mm. You know? I mean, there's no good having shops everywhere if you've got no money to fucking spend in them, is it? Mm. You know? That's true. So you can have no money and live down here. You can have no money and live up there. You've got all these things up there that you can't go and do because you've got no money. So it's, um, I'd rather live here than up there anyway. Mm. You know? Why? Because I like pissing people off. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like causing a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I can do that. That's my middle name. But, um, no. It's, well, it's like one big happy family here, you know? People... We'll talk to you. You know who your neighbours are. I lived in two different houses in Burnie and didn't know the neighbours on in either side. And I was there for a couple of years, nearly three or four years. You didn't know the neighbours. They didn't want to acknowledge who you were. You know. So then, yeah, you come now after here, and um, and sure, people. I can remember a time when I was walking down the street, and this lady, I don't know who she was. Oh gosh, there's a lot of strange people in town these days. And I'm thinking, mm, I know you're meaning that to me. Mm -hmm. And now here I am, 
you know, nearly 40 years later saying exactly the same thing. Gee, there's a lot of strange people in town these days. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just evolution, you know. It's just history repeating itself to a degree. You know, what do you what do you think about all these new strange people in town these days? What how do you feel? I think that it's wonderful as long as they don't bring their shit with them. You know, <laughs> what shit do you not want them to bring? What should they leave behind? Well, I don't don't want them bringing their bad habits. They're um, you know, we're pretty lucky in that aspect. Mainlanders, I'm a mainlander. Hello, so um, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> but um, you know, we are we are what we are, and we like it the way it is. We don't really necessarily want drastic changes, like people whinging about the smoke coming out of your chimney. Mm. Well, if you don't like it, there's two roads into town. You can take your pick. Mm. You know, don't come here if you don't want to live the way that we live. It's as simple as that. You know. Do you feel a little bit protective of Queenstown? I feel that coming up in me a little bit recently, and I've only been here for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, people, you know, there are yeah, things very, that are changing very... and I'm oh, no, just it's fine. It's fine yeah. the way it is. Very much so. Very much so protective. I feel protective because I don't want it to change drastically, you know. Mm. I mean, it's already changed drastically but in a different way. When I came here 40 years, nearly 40 years ago, there was no trees on the hills. You know, and now, now there's trees everywhere. It's to a degree where it can be a fire hazard, you know, but I wouldn't change that either. You know, mm. Mother Nature's, you know, recouping what was damages that were done like 100 years ago. Well, Mother Nature's fixing herself. So that's that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, you just have people coming in. And they want to run. They want to run things, places like they do the mainland. Well, you're not on the mainland here. You're in isolation of the West Coast Council. You know, in the mm. West Coast Council area. So it's um, we don't want to change necessarily. Little bits, but that's good for the place. But I suppose what I class as good for the place, and what other people class as good for the place, is two different things. And I don't keep my mouth shut. That's mm-hmm. another thing. What what do you think is good for the place? What what if you if you could make all of the decisions? If you were Mayor Debbie, if I was Mayor Debbie, they wouldn't want that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fix the bridges in the town for starters. We'd be the only we'd be the only town in the world that's got a river running right down the guts of the town, and the council won't fix the bridges. Mm. They've taken away the because it's too expensive, but um, okay. You know, you can get funding for mountain bike tracks, get funding for the bridges. Hmm. You know, people have to cross the river. But that's just those sorts of things, you know. I mean, yeah, make people clean the trees off their properties and, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> When you you came here with your eldest daughter and Alan. Yeah. And then you had three more in Tassie? Yeah. yeah. And that was one in Tulla. I had one. I was pregnant with the second daughter and, and had her when I was living in Tulla, but you had in Bernie, of course. Mm-hmm. I had the third daughter while I was living in Bernie and then the fourth daughter I had when I was in Tassie, uh, down here in Queenie. In Burnie Hospital, of course. It sounds pretty, for me, it sounds pretty rough, you know, when you were talking about the way that Alan was working with the hydro and, you know, all spending all of this time just having to get to where he was working and mm. back and and you were alone in the house with four yeah. babies. <laughs> well, I, you're not really alone in the house when you've got four kids. Well, that's true. You know, you're never alone in the house if you have one child because you're always busy, mm. always doing something, whether changing a nappy or feeding them or vacuuming on the floor, which I must say I need to do at the minute. But <laughs> what was the what was the community like when you came here? Did you did you meet other women quickly? Did you? I didn't know anybody when I came here. 
I won't say anybody, I knew one person, or the husband did, and he introduced me to a lady, and I think she's passed away now. But, um, yeah, when you've got kids it's easier to to um, get to know people because they have to go to school, mm. you know. So you just, I was, you know, when you're at home with four children, you don't really have that much of an opportunity to, to go out because you haven't been a parent, you know. Mm. But Alan worked on the hydro for 10 years. We were married for 36. He worked for 10. I worked for the rest. So I became, I'll do what I want to do. Mm. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do for work? When he, why did he stop working? Was the hydro shut down? Because I got too old. <laughs> oh, no, Alan. Why did oh, Alan? Why did he stop? Because the hydro finished. Yeah. Um, the Greenies came in and they stopped at Gordon Below Franklin and that would have been the next project, I think, and because they stopped that, the hydro folded. So then Alan didn't have any work. He took the redundancy. Uh, so uh, uh, I don't know very much about it. I feel like every time I talk to talk to someone new, I learn a little bit more. It sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, you said that hydro paid for the Anthony they, Highway. Mm-hmm. Anthony Road, yeah. And that... You know, it was the hydro that was bringing all of this infrastructure to Tulla mm. and that the the school, cause the school's not there anymore, is it? No, the population's not there anymore. So it sounds like, you know, the hydro's pa- paying for all of these things and also um, providing job opportunities in other sectors, you know, within the school and mm. the supermarkets and... Yeah. So when the, when the hydro leaves, they usually pick up their houses and take them to the next project. Like you've got Taralia, that was way before my time, but that's they've still got houses and that there. That was a thriving metropolis, I'm led to believe, because that was before my time here. But then, see, in Tully you had the Macintosh, the Murchison, mm. Bastion Dam, then you had the Reese Dam out further. Then they came down here and you've got Lake Plimsoll, Lake Burberry, you know, they're all man-made lakes that generate the electricity. So we generate the cheapest electricity, but they're the dearest to buy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. It's something. It's definitely something that keeps going, sort of going around in my head. Is that you know when we're looking at it from an environmental standpoint? Yes, these industries are you know ravage the earth. Then from another point of view, they provide and offer so much to to the communities. Mm. You know, when I first when I first moved here three years ago, I remember I think it was the oh, a couple of days after I'd been here, I went into the Empire Hotel. Yeah. And straight away I was like, whoa, because there were these three women and I have never heard anyone swear <laughs> the way that these women were swearing. It was so I've it was amazing. And I, I went outside for a cigarette and those three women were there and I so, sort of started asking about Queenstown and they were really solemn and, and saying, you know, well, it's dead now. You should have been here before. Mm. It was amazing. Oh, and that's true. And that's true. That's true. Um, I came here when it was bustling, you know, because you had the mine was working then, Mount Lyle was going, and they had the Hydroelectric Commission here. So you had, it was like a population of 5,000, 5,500 people. Now it's dropped down to 1,900 or something silly mm. because the, the hydro is not here and the mine's not working anymore. So we have to find a way of generating generating an avenue for people to come to the West Coast to spend their almighty dollar. Otherwise we'll just go down the gurgler, you know, but... Um, I'm not arty-farty by the stretch of anybody's imagination, so that sort of stuff doesn't interest me. I'm too old to ride a push bike, let alone go down on the zigzag hill. So um, <laughs> <laughs> put me in a car, well, that might be a different scenario. But um, <laughs> Well, I don't know how to ride a push bike, so. Oh, I know how I to won't. ride one. I just can't get me fat ass up onto one. 
So what, what do you think, you know, if you could sort of describe what the culture of Queenstown is, you know, what culture. the people are like? Well, what it was and what it is, you know, I, I liked it the way that it was so much, you know. It's a lot quieter now, you know. Like when I came here and when the kids had grown up somewhat, you know, you'd go to the hotel and there'd be a fight nearly in every bar. There's one, the Queenstown Hotel, they used to call it the Swinging Arms because there'd be a fight in there every night. Oh. But um, Jesus Christ, I fought in pubs myself. Um, but everybody, there was a lot of young people, you know, here because so it was... Everybody had a job. Every, everybody had a job or pretty much, you know. And um, so there was money that was going everywhere, you know. People were buying, you know, just and you could go out and have a drink and have a meal and, you know, just go. And you had money. Everybody had money because they were, everybody was working. Well, now mm. and the hydro's gone, the mine's gone, and there's just no money, you know. So you, we're relying on tourism. You know, so whether it's the Strawn or or Zeon or the lakes or fishing, you know, tra- the train, you know, the grey nomads, so to speak. I'm one of them but I don't nomad anymore. I just, mm. I'm stagnant. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, there's just no money around, you know, so you have to mm. make the most of it. But even with even with the relying on the tourism, I also feel that a lot of the locals are quite resentful of the of the tourism because I, I think that there's not not a day that goes by in the summer that I don't hear someone say, "Oh, these fucking caravans! <laughs> They're everywhere. They block. I can't get a car park. I can't get a park." Half of them can't fucking park. Anyway. <laughs> 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 Leave your car at home and walk, fat ass. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but you'll do get that. I own a caravan. I'll tow that around. But you know, it, it. Everybody, you can't please everybody. We're not. Mm. We're not here to please everybody else. We're here to please ourselves. Mm. Here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> you know. So if people don't like it, they can. So I had to stop myself mm. there. <laughs> you were very good. <laughs> They can um, choose them, choose them, what they'd like to do <laughs> before I tell them. Julie will be very happy. <laughs> before we were sitting down to record today, we were talking about you said that you'd never been camping before you I hadn't. Were here. Oh, I hadn't been camping as such before I came to the West Coast. Yeah, I, I feel remember. like everyone camps here. Yeah, yeah, the majority there do. Some glamp, some camp. <laughs> <laughs> some are camp, but you <laughs> 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 said that. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. But um, I could do with a beard about now. Um, Yeah, no, it was, yeah, I don't know what started it. Um, just <gasps> you were the telling kids. me about Alan and the... Oh, they've rotten man ferns. <laughs> can you talk about the, can you talk about that again? That was yeah. amazing. Oh dear. We'd gone camping on and it's been that long ago, I don't even remember what we took down. We must have taken a caravan or something down. And there's a little row of man ferns, a little arch, a semicircle of man ferns, and they're still there today. <laughs> and the kids are only little, tiny little kids and Alan's got himself parked underneath these man ferns with a fire going in front of him and it rained and he still wouldn't come in. So he, <laughs> he sat out there all weekend drinking under the man ferns and then he had got this tiny little tiny baby uh, tiger snake, would have only been about four inches long, I think, and it had shells in the bucket and he's razzing it up and look, telling the girls, oh, yeah. And I said, Alan, that's a tiger snake. He said, that's not, it's a lizard. <laughs> he knew damn well it was a tiger snake. I said, that'll t- kill the kids, you idiot. He said, no, oh, they'll be right. I said, look, get back over there. And Anyway, I, I never took him camping again. He's banned. <laughs> He's absolutely banned. 
so banned. And now it's my turn to sit under the man fern trees and get drunk. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> I love it. I love it down there. I'm a great fisher person. At least I look like I'm fishing. <laughs> I got all the gear, the chair, the rod, the bait, the knife. I got the whole lot and my stubby holder. That's all I needed. Yeah. The coolie bag and my stubby holder, I'm set. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> that sounds really good. And that's it. That's when mum when mum met you, she started coming over to your house on Friday nights for drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, she just, it just became a part of her routine for a little while there. Every Friday night you come to Debs. Yeah, we're doing it tomorrow night too. You want to come? Yeah, yeah. See you there. <laughs> but, they, but everyone everyone seems to just come and congregate, you know, under your shed roof. You know, you and David and Bonnie and mum and dad and the neighbours and, yeah. you know, you don't know who's going to, everyone's dropping by to see you about something yeah. or, you know. And, and when mum first said to me about meeting you, she said, oh, they call her Mama Jago. I they got call lots her Mama of Jago. I got lots of names. <laughs> <laughs> Marjay, Mama Jago, yeah, <laughs> and they're the nice ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you just said, yeah, it kind of it amazes me because I think it sounds like you've had, um, you know, a, a similar life, I think, to my mum where it's been, it's been hard in, at some times and you've, you've done it because that's what you're doing. And, but then you're also out here <laughs> teaching Sophie how to drive yeah. and get a licence <laughs> and looking after all of the, the kids in the neighbourhood. and Oh, yeah, so all the kids call me Debbie or Nan. i got bar staff call me Nan. Everybody calls on David, Uncle David. <laughs> oh, hi, Uncle David. You've got 80-year-old men calling him Uncle David. How you going, <laughs> Uncle David? That's just a sign of respect. I've never had any trouble with any of the kids in town. Never, ever, ever. Like, hey, going, guys? I said, yeah, good, you know. And they've all got they've all got respect, you know. Mm. Yeah, there was only one young fellow. He was a bit naughty there once. He spoke to, spoke to me with disrespect, but he, I saw him the next day. He never spoke to me with disrespect again. <laughs> you sorted him out. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, he says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And I said, "Yeah, well, that's good. Don't let it happen again." And he never, and he never did. You know, it's, you reap what you sow. Mm. You know, if you want people to treat you with respect, you have to treat them with respect, you know. If you don't care what they think about you, <laughs> they cop the wrath, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've even worked your magic on Henry. I'll, I'll never forget that day a couple of weeks ago when we were in the IGA and he saw you before I saw you and all I heard was, Debbie, only Debbie, just <laughs> running towards you, and then you two have the biggest hug, and yeah. you know, yeah. he's, there are so many kids that you know are never gonna, they're never going to have that. They're never nah, going to true. run into their friends mm. at the IJ every day, or their extended family and friends of family, mm. and it's um, one thing Henry never ever did before we moved here. So if someone said hello to him, he'd be really shy. And I think within about a year of us living here, he's saying hello to everyone that walks yeah. past, mm. just even if he doesn't know them. It's yeah, because that's what we do down here, you know. Everybody says hello to everybody. I, I, I like shocking some of the tourists, you know. They come in and say, hey, go, mate. They go, oh, <laughs> um, do I know you? You know, they say, oh, yeah, good, yeah, good. You know, but then you'll get the others and they've been around long enough that they realise, say, oh, yeah, I'm well, thanks, you know. Mm. And you'll often hear them say on um, social media, oh, it's a lovely, friendly place, everybody talks. They don't even know who you are. Well, it doesn't hurt to say hello Mm. or a nod and a wink, you know, just acknowledge that you've actually seen somebody. Did you ever think about going back to the mainland? Oh, I only when I had an argument with the old man, with the husband, 
Mm. Yeah, fuck God. <laughs> but nah, I would never live back there now. I'm too racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Selective racism. <laughs> I. Oh. <laughs> That's stumped you. <laughs> But you've, you've raised all your kids here. And that was something that I asked you the other day as well is, you know, you were saying that you didn't feel that, that some people didn't think of you as a local. Yeah. And I asked if they thought your kids were locals. And you said that, they, that your kids were more considered locals than you were because they were born and raised yeah. here. I think that's really that's really interesting. It's like the same sort of pattern as immigration, yeah. you know, when someone comes from New Zealand to mm. Australia, then they're not Australian but their kids yeah. are Australian. Mm. Yeah. It's, and to have that on a small scale, just this tiny collection of towns on the coast of a tiny island. Yeah. Feeling the same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that, knock on wood, when you die... You'll be buried in the cemetery here with the rest of your family? Fuck no. No? <laughs> I need a life jacket to be buried down there. <laughs> Is it too wet? <laughs> Bloody coffins float to the top. Oh, God. <laughs> nah, I won't be going in there. I'll just go up in a puff of smoke and then I don't care what they do. Turn me into a diamond. That'd be nice, wouldn't that it? That would be nice. Yeah. And then I can just piss everybody else off all over again. But where's the diamond? I can't find the diamond. <laughs> oh, Mum's taking it again. Where's the diamond? Oh, oh no, that, that's a good, good idea. Mm. Turn me ashes into a diamond, then I'd have to run around so they keep finding me and torment the hell out of them. <clears throat> no, that is a good idea. I like it. So what about what about your kids? So they growing up here, are they all still living in this area, living in living in Tassie? Well, they're all in Tassie. Yeah, it's all in Tassie. Yeah. Three of them live up the coast now. One's still in Queenstown. But we're not going there. <laughs> so I, and I guess, you know, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was... Stop playing with that microphone. I was doing the jig. How, how do you feel about the mountain bike trails? What's your opinion? That's my opinion. Mm. Money could have been better off spent somewhere else. They could have put a chairlift up there. That would have been better. I remember people talking about a chairlift. Mm. But, um, you know, it's like I said, each to their own. Um, but um, I hope it goes ahead. I hope it really goes gangbusters. But I hope nobody falls off and hurts themselves because we haven't got a hospital to fix them. That was something that was really interesting, I think, um yeah, the article they did in The Advocate with Dr Passion where mm. he was talking about there being one ambulance that isn't equipped to get up there. Mm. I mean, and everyone who's been to the GP here or the hospital here knows how understaffed and it's not, it's, not a, it's not a matter of it being understaffed, I don't think. You just don't have the facilities. Mm. It's like, for Christ's sake, you can't even have an X-ray done unless it's Tuesday. Yeah. So if you're going to break your arm, break it on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're going to knock your teeth out, well, I'm sorry, got to go away to, to fix that. You want to have a baby? Ah, sorry. Either have it at home or go away. Yeah. It's, there's nothing here. There's no, It's just a glorified aged care home. Now I'll have trouble getting in to see the doctor when I want to see the doctor. <laughs> Don't sneeze for Christ's sake, Debbie. I'll never get in. You'll no. think that, I think you're a leper. But, um, yeah, no, the hospital's just not equipped for it. You know, if it's a life and death situation where you've got to fly the helicopter from Hobart or the ambulance was two hours away to Burnie mm. and then they have to swap over halfway, so that's probably a three-hour trip. Mm. Where you, you could be dead for two hours and 55 minutes, couldn't you? Well, mm. it's too bloody late then. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Do you think that the bike trail is going to help bring money into the town? Well, bring money into the town. 
Well, if there's anything like Targa, probably not because they bring their own petrol and stuff like that. But um, um, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I really do hope so. No, I really do hope so. I mean, the houses are going selling, but what are they going to do with them? Mm. I mean, they're going to pay their rates whether they're living here or not. They've still got to pay hydro whether they're using it or not. So, um, yeah, they'll probably bring it in spasmodically, you know. It'd be a shame if they didn't do their grocery shopping at the local supermarkets and buy their booze from the local establishments or you know, if they were going to bring all of that with them, well, then that would be a bit of a kick in the teeth, won't it? Mm. You know, if they don't support the economy. But, um, yeah, if nothing else, I'll sort of keep the doctors busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's something that happens. It's a, I think it's a conversation that I'm... I hear often as people talk about the West Coast and they talk about Queenstown and the the beautiful landscape and 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 how unusual it is mm. uh, in terms in terms of geology and geographically and and I, I just don't hear people talk about the the people that live there very often. Mm. Yeah, well. I suppose if you're in Papua New Guinea, they don't talk about the people eating people over there either, so that's the salt. <laughs> you're so chaotic. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the I wanted also to ask you about how you felt or your opinion on the unconformity because you would have been here... When it was the Heritage Festival? Was yeah, that, that was the best one they ever did. It was the best one that they ever did. It's all changed now. It's, it's not as good as it used to be. What What's changed? Well, well, the first one they had it, they had Main Street all blocked off. You had the school kids, you know, carrying lanterns down the street oh. and the street was, you know, a big band in the in the Main Street and... Yeah, it was, it was good, you know. Then the money they put it in the back alley, it was like you, at the, the back of your mum's place there. Mm. Uh, but some, it was a whole lot. We're in the ghetto. We're going around to the ghetto, you know. Mm. I mean, if you want to have the unconformity, that's all well and good. But um, make it so that the locals don't miss out too, you know, right, um not everybody's arty. Mm. There's a lot farty, but not farty. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, um, yeah, see, that's, it's, I like it when everybody can just get in. When they had that, they had, were selling beer in the mall there at one year, you know, everybody, it was just like one big street party. It was yeah. just amazing. You know, and you had you could go off down to the cemetery, you know, on the train to do something down there, or you went out to to Linda, the old um, the remnants of the the hotel out there, and they had like an artwork situated out there. It was just fucking water in the bottom of it, fucking things shining off it, but it was art apparently. Yeah, so um, yeah, and it was um. And the last time they did, they had rocks hanging off the, had rocks hanging off the bloody street signs coming down Gourmet Hill. I was like, what the hell is that I made of? Anyway, yeah, it's just not like it used to be. I liked the first one when the angel was getting around like Hail Hitler and it caught on fire going around the corner of the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have loved that. <laughs> that. That was art. <laughs> That was unintentional art. <laughs> we should get you into the unconformity this year and you can go around and judge everything, let everyone know. 
No, they wouldn't like my opinion, I don't reckon. I'd like your opinion. Oh, yeah, you'll like your opinion. <laughs> I'm not art at all. <laughs> not crafty. <laughs> well, you're going to fix those um, curtains. That's pretty crafty. It's just fucking sewing. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything? Is there anything that you want to say? I think I got myself into enough trouble already. Yeah, mm. I was expecting. I was expecting more trouble. <laughs> I think you've been pretty tame. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want you to get kicked off. You know, <laughs> didn't want you. <laughs> No more grants for you. No you more money, Emily. No, no more, more money. money. You just don't know the right people to interview. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for doing this with me, Deb. That's all right, darling. I really appreciate it. That's okay. Now we can go back to your mummers and do some more sewing. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is local. This project would not be possible without the incredible community of folks who make time to chat, nor would it be possible without the tremendous support of the West Coast community. If this episode offered you something good, please consider rating the show via Apple Podcasts. The podcast is produced by Carter Pierce and myself. Digital media is supported by Tess Gilfeder. Our artwork was made by Gigi Gortz. The podcast is funded in part by the Regional Arts Fund. For more information on the podcast and its guests, please go to localthepodcast.com or localthepodcast on Facebook and Instagram.